I am so thrilled to be with you all this morning and just to be a part of what God is doing among you. I've, I've seen a lot of little babies, and it's so sweet because as an empty nester, I, the time went by too fast. And now my children live very far away, and I miss them terribly. So, But this morning, I want to share with you some of my personal journey over the last 18 years of getting into God's Word and getting God's Word into me. And I'd like to begin by sharing with you some scripture that I have memorized. And then I want to tell you how God has used his word to bring about much needed change in my life. I want to share with you the book of Philippians. And this is a book that Paul wrote from prison with great joy and with a heart full of love for those he was writing to. Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow. 
on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. In order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not labor or run for nothing, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from my faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and was distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. 
Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Eudia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you.
I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, uh, no, uh, not one matter uh, escaped you. But ever since I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Okay, now I want to take you on my journey that sort of began, we're going to begin in January 1991 because this was a transition time for our family. We had been living in Dallas. My husband lived here for 12 years, then I lived here for 8 years after we got married. And now we were moving from Dallas, Texas to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Now, my husband grew up in Mississippi, and so for him, we were moving home. But for me, I was not moving home, but to a totally foreign place. And I didn't have a single friend in Hattiesburg. And yet, because I had seen God's hand in our decision to move, I, I didn't hesitate, even though it was a step into the unknown. And because of God's proven faithfulness in the past, I knew he had a unique and special plan for each one of us. And I just wondered what he had in store for me in Mississippi. Well... Uh, we got settled in, made new friends, joined a church, and got busy with life. A year went by, and although there was no great tragedy in our lives, there was a growing sense of disappointment in my heart. It was not a midlife crisis. After all, I was only 35. It was unfulfilled expectations. Somehow my life was not what I had foreseen or would have chosen. I was not where I wanted to be. And I don't mean geographically. I felt like God had a purpose for my life that was not being fulfilled. Scripture tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's where I was. I made known to God my frustration. I waited for his reply. Well, about that time, four of my new friends invited me to go with them to this Christian conference in Chattanooga. It's about a six-hour drive, and I thought, well, if nothing else, I need a break from the mom routine. And I knew I would enjoy the fellowship. Well, it's strange to me now that I look back at that conference as a turning point in my life. And stranger still, it was not the content of the conference nor the friends I went with that was so powerful. But one morning of the conference, I was inspired by a woman from the audience 
who was called to the platform spontaneously and asked if she would share some scripture with the group. She then quoted from memory the whole book of Colossians. It was awesome. And as I sat there mesmerized by what I had just heard, I wondered what it would be like to really know God's word. To have it so embedded in my heart and mind that I would carry it with me wherever I would go. And I wondered what it would mean to my relationship with God if I really knew his word. Well, I had become a Christian when I was 21 years old while attending the University of Florida. But never having grown up in church, I had no Bible background or knowledge stored up. And in those following years after becoming a Christian, I I read my Bible every day. It was a discipline that I held to. But I couldn't confidently say that I knew the Bible. My Bible knowledge consisted of hundreds of facts and verses just scattered like pieces of the puzzle without the edge pieces being connected. And at that time, we had a six-hour drive home. I cried out to God because I had two small children and a never-ending list of things to do. I know you're there. And I thought, there, there are no extra time slots in my day. But I reasoned in my mind that if God wanted me to get to know his word, then he would make a way. He wouldn't ask something of me and then make it impossible to achieve. And so I determined in my heart that with God's help, if there was any way possible, that I was going to memorize the book of Ephesians, all six chapters. So it took me several months, but I worked on it every single day and night. My overriding motivation was the fear of quitting, because at this point in my life I couldn't handle the devastation of another goal unfulfilled. Well, the day came when I shared the book of Ephesians with my Sunday school class. And as I concluded with, Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. The tears began to flow, and my heart was pounding with joy. And I saw others with tears in their eyes too, but I didn't understand what it all meant. That day was a milestone in my life. The stepping stones that preceded it were the months I had spent devouring Ephesians chapter by chapter. I couldn't say that I knew God's word yet, but what I could say was, I know the book of Ephesians. And for the first time in my Christian life, I felt like God's word was knowable. I had proven that to myself. For years I thought that knowing the Bible was just something unattainable or just perhaps reserved for just a select few. But now I was convinced that the knowledge of the Bible was not beyond my reach. But where was I going to go from there? I really didn't know. I felt like I was at a crossroad in my life. I couldn't go back and I couldn't stay the same. And I saw myself standing at a crossroad, calculating a move to the right or to the left. And I was planning on teaching a Bible study that next fall in my church on the book of Second Peter. And because it was several months away, I thought, well, I'll memorize Second Peter. This one's only three chapters. And as I began in chapter 1, saying the words over and over and over and planting them into my memory, I was focusing on these three verses. Grace and peace. Be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. 
And I thought, wow, these are very bold statements. How can they possibly be true? This little passage claims that through our knowledge of God, we can have grace and peace and abundance. We can have everything we need for life and godliness. We can participate in the divine nature. Is this possible? Well, of course I believe God's word is true in theory. But if it is really true that we can have everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, then how come more Christians aren't just pouring themselves into God's Word so that they can have all these things? I don't know. And I ask myself, well, how come you don't? And I sat there contemplating my own challenge. And then I said, I'm going to. I am going to pour myself into God's Word until I get everything I need for life and godliness. That day, I made the right turn at the crossroad. And with renewed fervor, I plunged into God's Word like there was no tomorrow. Every free minute of every day and night, I read it, I underlined it, I studied it, I outlined it, I memorized it. I gave up everything in life that was not essential. Bless his heart, my husband still thought cooking and cleaning were essential. <laughs> Over the next 18 years, I memorized the Sermon on the Mount, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter, 1 John, Revelation, Esther, Ruth, and some Psalms and other passages. Okay, my mind was constantly flooded with the truth of God's Word. Now, at that time, we didn't have a Christian radio station in Hattiesburg. And so, instead of what I used to do when I lived in Dallas, keep the Christian radio on all day while I work around the house and do things. Now I had no Christian radio. So I worked around the house doing all my little chores, taking care of my kids, memorizing scripture at the same time. It's amazing how many things you can be doing at the same time while learning and reviewing scripture. Showering, blow-drying your hair, putting on makeup and clothes, vacuuming, folding laundry, emptying the dishwasher, cooking, cleaning, washing floors, driving all over town, and many other jobs that don't require thinking. <laughs> so what did all that knowledge do for me? I, I was aware that... The Bible says knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. And if I have knowledge but do not have love, then I am nothing. So knowledge for knowledge, they could not be the answer. But what about Second Peter? Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge. Well, the answer to that is also found in Second Peter chapter 1. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge. In other words, knowledge is meaningless without application. People ask me, what's the hardest part about memorizing scripture? Living it. James tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
What that's telling me is if I listen to the Word, read the Word, or even memorize the Word, but I don't do what it says, then I'm deceived. Because I think I'm fine, I'm good, I, I just memorized a chapter. No. And James doesn't leave it there. He says that if you read the Word, but you don't do what it says, then you're like the man who looks at his face in the mirror and goes away and sees a problem in the mirror but goes away and doesn't fix the problem. Okay, I have this great illustration. When my kids were small and I was volunteering at their school, I had this friend Beverly, and we always volunteered together. And so one day, Beverly came to school to help out, and I wasn't there that day. And she'd been there for several hours, and then she went into the ladies' room. And as she leaned over the sink to wash her hands, she noticed in the mirror that she still had a curler on the top of her head. (laughs) She'd been there for several hours and no one told her about the curler. It was one of those little pink spongy things. Okay, so now, what do you suppose would be the likelihood that she just left the curler there and went away? No, no, of course, she yanked it out immediately. Okay, two important factors to this story, knowledge and application. She was at the school for several hours, but she didn't know about her problem. As soon as the mirror pointed out her problem. She made the needed correction. And so it is with God's Word. Application is vital, but we cannot apply what we do not know. We need knowledge and we need application, and they go hand in hand. These are some of the things that God has been teaching teaching me over the years, and many things, of course, I have to learn over and over and over again. Of all the scriptures that I have memorized, Psalm 1 has become the benchmark for my life. It is the standard that I measure my life by. And these are the first three verses. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf doth not wither, whatever he does prospers. What kind of person does God call blessed? One who is not swayed or influenced by the ungodly, but the influence of his life comes from meditating on God's word day and night. And how does God describe that person? He says he's like a tree planted by streams of water, continually nourished, never thirsty. And that man will yield fruit in season when God's time is right. Because his mind and heart delight in God's word, his actions will be God-centered and divinely prosperous. During my teenage years, uh, my family lived on a lake in Winter Park, Florida. And in the backyard, we had this cypress tree that lived right at the water's edge. And it was a favorite place to sit and talk or just rest, watching the waves splash up against the tree. Even in the scorching Florida sun, that tree was never parched. The water was its life source. Now, in the front yard, we had this massive oak tree that was covered with that thick Spanish moss that they have in Florida. And every year that tree lost more and more branches because the influence of the moss was taking over. This is a vivid picture to me of two contrasting lives, one that is thriving and one that is withering. 
And which, what will be the deciding factor as to which tree my life resembles? It will be the degree of importance that I place on God's Word. And because of the discipline of memorizing God's Word, that has helped me to keep God's Word as the major influence in my life. And so I want to take a few minutes and talk to you specifically about Scripture memory because I know that there's just a whole... Uh, there's a whole lot of thoughts going on out here that I would like to dispel some of those and bring some encouragement regarding scripture memory. Okay, first of all, I would like to put you at ease by telling you that God does not command us to memorize scripture. God commands us to know him and to know his word. And memorizing is just one way to do that. Here are the commands and exhortations that we find in the Bible. We are commanded to know God's word, to remember his word, to not forget his commandments, to have his word ready on our lips, to dwell on Christ's words, to store up his words, to keep God's word within our heart. Now, in order to keep all those commandments, I found that memorizing scripture is a great way to do that. There are godly men and women who meditate on God's word day and night and do not memorize. And yet, for me... Memorizing helps me to meditate on God's Word day and night. Now, I am an advocate of memorizing verses sequentially, verses that follow each other. Because, think of it this way, if one of your goals in memorizing Scripture is to get to know God better, then you will get a more complete picture if you memorize verses that go together. And, for example, the book of Philippians was God's complete message to the church at Philippi. The book of Ephesians was God's complete message for, for those readers. Okay. In addition to that, you will, you will not be getting fragments of truth, but whole truth put together the way God intended us to learn it. And you will not be taking verses out of context. Okay, let me give you an example. The most well-known, well-loved, most memorized verse of all time, John 3.16 But that verse, taken out of context, has given many people a false assurance of their salvation. Because they say, sure, I believe in Jesus, but they also believe in the American flag and mom and Monday night football and all these other things. Okay. If you were to memorize, for example, many people don't know that John 3.16 is right in the middle of a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. So let's say instead of memorizing... Verse 16, you memorize the whole chapter, John chapter 3. Then you would have all the words, all the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And in addition to knowing John 3.16, you would know this. You must be born again. That's verses 3 through 7. You would know those who believe the truth will have deeds that prove their belief. That's verses 16 through 20, 19 through 21. You would also know that those who believe have eternal life, but those who do not obey the Son of God will not see life, but God's wrath abides on them. That's verse 36. So you see, by memorizing the whole chapter instead of that one verse, you get God's complete thought instead of taking something out of context. Now, another thought about memorizing Scripture, and I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from memorizing a verse over here and verse over here and verse over here because I do that too. But think about 
the verses that we choose to memorize. One verse over here, one verse over here. Let me give you some examples. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, what do all these, these three have in common? Me. God will provide all my needs. I'm going to do this. Me, me, me. And you know what? That's what we choose to memorize. But when we memorize a passage, a lot of times there's stuff in there, most of the time stuff in there, that we would never choose to memorize. And what God is doing through that is He's taking our picture that we have of God that's very me-centered. And God is just pushing out those boundaries and God's saying, I'm bigger than that, I'm bigger than that. And, and so God is expanding your picture of who He is and deepening your understanding of His Word and His plan for us, for the world, for the universe. So, there's so many benefits of memorizing passages as opposed to individual verses. Okay. Now, the challenge of memorizing passages seems to intimidate people because they think it will be more difficult or time-consuming than memorizing a verse over here and a verse over here and a verse over here. Okay, but I am here to tell you that that is not the case. Okay, let me give you an example. There was a man at my church several years ago in Mississippi, and he came up to me one day and he said, I just want you to know that I'm going to memorize the book of Philippians this year. He said, I've counted it. There's 104 verses, there's 52 weeks of the year, and that's two verses a week. I thought, wow, how neat. I never counted it up. I never, I'm not a math person, so I really didn't do all the division and all that. But I thought, wow, two verses a week. He could memorize the book of Philippians. Now, if he accomplished his goal, and I hope he did, that at the end of that year, at two verses a week, I mean, that's not overwhelmingly complicated or difficult, two verses a week. If he accomplished that goal, then he would have the book of Philippians. Well, he would be so motivated and excited that he'd think, oh, uh, next, year, uh, next year I can take on another verse. And there's many books, especially in the New Testament, that have 104 verses or less. First um, Peter is 105. The Sermon on the Mount is about 105. James is 105. So there's a lot of books that are approximately the same number of verses. So think with me and do some math here. At the pace of two verses a week, at the end of one year, he'd have one book memorized. At the end of two years, two books memorized. Okay, how many books would he have at the end of five years? Five. Okay, at the end of ten years, how many books would he have memorized? Ten at two verses a week. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I know y'all are thinking, whoa, I can't believe she's memorized so much scripture. I've memorized 14 books in 18 years. So I've not been working as hard as you thought I had been. (laughs) I mean, I could even be called a slacker by some. Okay, now that's not my method, two verses a week. But that just shows you by two verses a week you have ten books memorized in ten years. Okay. Now, in addition to that, the most important part about memorizing is reviewing because if you don't review, then it flies away. Okay, now, memorizing passages is so much easier because do you know the number one reason why people don't like to memorize scripture? They can't remember the references. And when you memorize passages, you don't have to memorize the reference. 
You just start at the beginning and you just say it. You just like learning a song. You just go over and over and over and you don't have to stop and go, well, that was verse 2. Well, that was verse 3. Well, that You don't have to memorize the references. It's so freeing. It's so much easier. Trust me, it is so much easier. You, don't even, you never have to memorize the verse. People say to me, okay, well, what's, what's uh, James chapter 3, verse 18? I go, don't know. Look it up. I don't know the verses. Now, I can give you the whole chapter. But do you really need to know? If you memorize it, you'll know approximately where it is. Okay, so that's freeing to me. The biggest surprise when people hear about my scripture memory is the time factor. Because contrary to what most people think, it takes very little time to memorize scripture because you can do it while you do other things. I know some people think that I'm just sitting home in the corner, in my chair, memorizing scripture all day long, but my life is jam-packed, and yours is also. We don't have any extra time slots in our day. But because of the value of God's Word in my life, I don't want to go a single day without spending time in God's Word. But a goal of studying God's Word every single day is unrealistic for me. Now I suppose if I had no school, no job, no husband, and lived in a full-service hotel, I could manage to study my Bible all day. But I don't. Okay. But it is a very rare day when I don't memorize or review scripture throughout the day. And that's because I've made it the habit of my life to always be memorizing and reviewing. Now, I start first thing in the morning. No matter what day it is, what time it is, or what my day holds, I'm still going to take a shower, blow dry my hair, and put on makeup and clothes. Now, I know for mothers of preschoolers, you don't always get a shower. Okay. But for me, years ago, I added memorizing scripture to that time slot and then I've, I've never veered from that because you don't have to think when you're in the shower you do it the same way every single day my hair I do it the same way every day I do my makeup the same way every day so this is dead time that I can be reviewing and, and, and learning new scripture while I'm getting dressed while I'm in the shower while I'm putting on my makeup and clothes that's about a 40 minute time slot do you know how much scripture you can cover in 40 minutes what I shared with you this morning uh, Philippians that's 14 minutes. 14. So see, look how much extra time you have. Okay. So, time is a precious commodity for all of us. And I'm not the best time manager. But what God helped me to do was to train myself to capture dead time for Scripture memory. Times when my hands were busy... But my mind was free. You're vacuuming. You're raking the leaves. You're, you're uh, emptying the dishwasher, ironing, making school lunches. All these things that you're doing, you don't have to think. They're sort of mindless jobs. You can be reviewing scripture at the same time. So that's the way I do it. I have scripture everywhere, in my, in my car, uh, in my kitchen. One mistake that people have is that they all put a scripture on their mirror. But they go away and they come back like nine hours later and no wonder they've forgotten the scripture. Okay, when I wrote my book, His Word in My Heart, I wrote it for the woman who's like I was, who sincerely wants to know God's Word, but because of the busyness of life and the exhaustion of motherhood, she thinks she doesn't have time for God's Word. But I wanted to tell her, yes, you do. Yes, you can find time. A little here, a little there. God will help you find those little pockets of time to get to know His Word. Women don't need one more thing to do. 
But when we don't spend time in God's Word, we are not thriving. We are dry spiritually. And we're guilt-ridden because we're not doing what we know we should. Think about this question. Would God ask something of us and then make it impossible to achieve? God requires us to know His Word, but He also gives us little pockets of time when we can get to know His Word. Many people, many mothers with preschool children are tempted to postpone their own spiritual well-being until they have more time somewhere in the future. I know I was there. But if you're not walking closely with God, then where will you get the strength and the courage to raise up a godly generation? How will you have God's word on your lips if you do not? How will you have it in in your heart if you don't have it on your lips? Okay, now some people, some people in here are thinking, I just can't memorize. I'm just one of those people who can't memorize. Not true. Everyone can memorize. Now, granted, some people are better at it than others. But I say don't let that discourage you. Just because you can't run a marathon doesn't mean you can't walk around the block. Okay, maybe you can't memorize the book of Hebrews, but you could memorize the 23rd Psalm. Okay, some people think that I have a photographic memory. Not true. I wish I did. And my two children, now grown, if they were here, they would love to tell you that I am not the sharpest pencil in the drawer. When it came to helping with homework, I could never remember any English, any history, any math, anything. So why have I been so successful at memorizing Scripture? It's because I have a higher goal than just to memorize the Bible. And that is to know God and to walk closely with Him. Now I know you're wondering if I have a great method for memorizing Scripture. Well, I like to tell people that you don't need a great method as much as you need great motivation If you are highly motivated, then any method will do. But of course, I will share with you my simple method. Now, so what I say is, take my method, adapt it to your life, and what works for you. Okay, here's my method. I get these little 3x5 cards that are connected with a spiral. Okay, you have to have the kind connected with the spiral, otherwise you have stuff scattered all over the place. Okay, then I write out what I want to memorize. I just write it out. Now, I do put the the reference number on the left, but just because I like to know where I am. But I don't memorize the numbers. Okay. So, let's say you want to memorize Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. That's verse 1. So, day 1, you're on verse 1. You get in the shower. or, or you, you probably can't do it in the shower yet because you didn't know it yet. Okay, this little book is so great. It sits right on your counter wherever you go. So, you have it in your bathroom, you have it in your kitchen, you have it in the car, you have it on the ironing board. You, you can hold it while you're doing your vacuuming. This little thing goes everywhere. Okay. So, the first morning, praise the Lord, oh my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And then, you've got it written down, and so you take it with you everywhere you go. You take it in the car, you take it in the carpool line, you're sitting at the red light, you're you're waiting while your child's potty training. You know, whatever you're doing, you're breastfeeding. Okay, you're not going anywhere. You may as well have your your little scriptures with you. Okay, so you say it throughout the day. 
uh, in the morning and then mid-morning and then late morning and then noon and then throughout the day. You just say it over and over and over. Okay, the next morning, hey, you got first one because you said it 35 times. You're now on verse 2. Okay, so praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And so you're like, wow, benefits. I can't wait to get to tomorrow so I can hear the benefits. And so you just say this over and over throughout the day. Don't worry about your kids. Tell them, praise the Lord, O my soul. Kids are so awesome at memorizing Scripture. And you know what? They don't know that it's a chore. It's adults who think memorizing Scripture is a chore. Kids think it's awesome and fun. Okay, and I didn't grow up in church, so I never memorized any scripture at all. But my kids did, ha. Huh? Okay, so, day three, you're on what are the benefits. Okay, so there's 21 verses in that particular psalm. So every day you add another one, you add another one, you add another one, and at the end of 21 days, you got Psalm 103. Now, you're thinking, oh my gosh, a verse a day, how can possibly do that? Okay, now, that's the way I do it. You can adapt it to wait the way you want to do it. But here's my thinking on a verse a day. If I only did two verses a week, I don't have to think about it all day long. I don't have to meditate on God's Word day and night. I can start on Thursday and I can be done on Saturday if I only did two verses a week. So by doing a verse a day, I'm forcing myself. I'm a good memorizer now, but I really wasn't way back then. And so I had to force myself to think about it and, and review it and look at it all throughout the day. Otherwise, I wasn't going to be ready by the next morning. So by memorizing scripture throughout the day and doing a verse a day, it forced me to meditate on God's word day and night. And that's the goal, not to memorize the Bible. It's to walk with God and to commune with him throughout the day. And so for mothers, we're so exhausted by all the, you know, lack of sleep. And, you know, I don't even need to go there because you're already there. You already know the challenges. Spending time with God throughout the day will renew your heart and mind. You will, you will still be physically exhausted, but you won't be spiritually exhausted. So, okay, so where are we? Now, what I suggest, okay, okay, now, so now I'm really motivated. i got Psalm 103 ready to go on to something else. Well, how do I make sure that I don't forget Psalm 103? I just gave 21 days of my life to it. I don't want to forget it. Okay, so this is what I suggest is that you pick one day of the week, let's say Monday, that you will always review Psalm 103 no matter what else you go on to. So let's say now you're, you're going to memorize the book of Philippians. So you're, you're working on the book of Philippians, but every Monday that rolls around, you're going to review Psalm 103. Psalm 103 only takes two minutes to review. So it's not like you couldn't find two minutes in your day. Because you can do it while you're doing something else. Okay, so every Monday, you got to review Psalm 103. And then you, you've got something else. And then you pick another day, let's say Wednesday. and then So it doesn't get complicated until you have more than seven passages. And then you, you just have to make a new system. Okay, but that's a good way to start. Okay, now I've got some extra tips. Okay, pick a version of the Bible that you like. I'm memorizing NIV because... You know, I, I like NIV. So if you like, uh, you know, ESV or whatever you like, memorize what you are the most familiar with. And then when you get to passages, you already know you're not changing versions. That's very confusing and discouraging. Okay, ask a friend to do it with you. Like, hey, do you, you want to memorize something with me and we'll keep each other accountable? You know, so have a friend. That would be good. Okay, now this is huge. 
tip here, start out small. Do not start with the book of Ephesians. I know that's where I started, but I do not recommend it. I was driven. Start with Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is six verses. And it's very motivational because it talks about the man who's blessed because he's meditating on God's word day and night. And Psalm 1 only takes one minute to review. One minute. Now when you're first starting out, you don't have a 15-minute pocket. You don't have a five-minute pocket. But you have one. And God will help you find those little one-minute pockets throughout the day. So start with something simple, Psalm 1. And then you can go on to something... uh, let God lead you. I don't, start small and then let God take it from there. Okay. Your greatest probability of success. Okay, I'm going to tell you your greatest probability of success and your greatest probability of failure. Your greatest probability of success in memorizing scripture is if you will learn to do it while doing something else. Because nobody has extra time. I don't. And I'm an empty nester. So that's not to discourage you, but... You're just trading one challenge for another. Okay, finally, I just got my kids in school, but now I'm the full-time volunteer. And then you just, you know, that's, that's not my talk for today. But, okay, your greatest probability of failure will be if you try to memorize Scripture apart from everything else. Because you, don't, you won't have the time. So, ask God to help you to learn to do it while you're doing other things. I mean, how much do you really need to concentrate when you're taking a shower, blow drying your hair and putting on makeup and clothes and making school lunches and, you know, driving your kids to school and things like that. You don't really need to concentrate on emptying the dishwasher. Okay. So, now, some of you right here are just so motivated. You're just like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to, I can't wait to get home. I'm just going to get started. But you're thinking... If I have to stop at Walmart and get one of those little scriptures, it's never going to happen. Okay, so I stopped for you, and honestly, I wanted to get 100. I only got 10. So, two things. I, I, I brought 10 spirals, so 10 people can have a spiral, and the rest of you have to go to Walmart. Okay, the other thing is, Okay, I'm going to tell you the other thing in just a minute. Okay. Now, there are many benefits to memorizing Scripture, but one of the most obvious ones is knowledge. Memorizing Scripture, the benefit of memorizing Scripture, comes from the process, not the accomplishment. It's not that at the end of a month you can say, well, I can check that off, I memorized that. It's the process of thinking about God and His thoughts throughout the day. Trading your thoughts for God's. Whatever situation you are, directing your mind and your heart to God and His Word throughout the day. That's where the benefit comes in. And obviously knowledge is one of the benefits. And some people think that knowledge is not important. But let me remind you what Peter said, that it's everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. Our greatest command is to love God. But how can we love Him if we don't know Him? And what I have discovered is that to know Him is to love Him. And to know Him greatly is to love Him greatly. My heart's desire for you is that wherever you are in relationship to God's Word, that you would go deeper. That if you're you're starting at zero, then 
then just start somewhere. If you're already been a Christian, maybe for many years, or um, if you've already spending some time in God's Word, give memorizing Scripture a try. Ask God to help you. Now for me, as a Bible teacher, the greatest thing that I can do for you is not to tell you how much I know, but how much you can know as you get into God's Word for yourself. I hold in my hand the greatest resource ever given to the children of God. It is the best-selling book of all time. It is the book of books. It is the Word of God. And to the degree that we know the author of this book, we will have grace and peace and abundance. We will have everything we need for life and godliness. Okay, we're going to open up for question and answer, but I want to tell you something first. Some of you may not know this. I didn't know this until I wrote a book myself. But when you, when you write a book, it doesn't mean that you own the book. The publisher owns the book, and you're just the author. Okay, so don't get too excited here, but I brought books for everyone. I want every single person to have a book. However, I had to buy these books. Now, my cost is $5. So... I brought a book for everyone. If you have $5, awesome, great. I'd love to have the $5. If you don't have $5, we still want you to have a book. And Watermark and I together, we're going to work this out. So we want everyone to have a book. If you have $5, awesome. If you don't have $5, we still want you to have a book. Okay, is that clear? Good. Okay, the books are up here. We have plenty. If you have your friend Susie Q and she couldn't come today and you want to get her a book, great. We have extra. Okay. So the books are right here um, as soon as we break. And then there's ten spirals. And I would have bought more, but that's all they had. Okay. Now, question and answer. Y'all ask a question, and then I will repeat the question so that it can be on the audio. Okay, great. Okay. How did I go about teaching my children, and what passages do I recommend for my children? Well, this is a little bit of a cop-out here, but my kids, they always went to church they always went to christian uh christian school and so ha, here's the great thing the school required them to memorize passages we happened to go to that to a school that required passages and so i wasn't making them memorize scripture i was just helping them with their assignments so that was really helpful for me and yet i've taught many scripture memory groups like at my former church and two of the groups i had were with young moms and so really i learned from them and um, because they were memorizing scripture for themselves, and in so doing, their kids heard them saying it all around the house, and so then their kids started learning. So that's a kind of a two-part answer here. Start with Psalm 1, because kids, it's very short, and they can pick that up, and their, their attention span is still short at that point. So start with Psalm 1, go on to another psalm. Uh, one of my groups, they went to Psalm 121. I'll lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's another really good one. Any short psalm, Psalm 100, um, the 23rd psalm. So start with small psalms, and you will be amazed how they will learn it. And yet, okay, I want to give a word of caution here. Do not memorize scripture so that your children will learn scripture. Memorize scripture for yourself. Your children's greatest need, okay, please hear me. My, 
as children who are 25 and 22, your children's greatest need is a mom who walks with God. That's their greatest need. And in, honestly, I'm, I know you would not believe this, but I'm really a very disorganized person. I, I, my kids never looked great at school. They never had great parties, uh, the birthday party that everyone talked about. I mean, I never had it all together on any front. I mean, and that's an overstatement. But my kids had a mom who walked with God. So, okay, fine. I mean, they, you know, maybe he had to wear her shirt and she had to wear his. I don't know. There were probably days like that. But their mom was at home loving God and walking with him. So don't memorize scripture so that your kids will learn scripture. If you learn scripture, they will. They will because they love you and they don't think it's a chore yet. Okay, so, um, yes, it's awesome to want your kids to memorize scripture, but um, do it for yourself so that you can walk with God and teach your children why you memorize scripture because I want to think about Jesus throughout my day because it gives me the right perspective on life. Otherwise, my whole life and our whole family is just going to be about us because that's where we are, and we're all self-absorbed. So, great question. Okay, what else? Yes. Do you spend your quiet time memorizing scripture or do you do something else? I don't spend my quiet time memorizing scripture because I can do that while I do other things. And in my quiet time, I need to uh, read my Bible, study my Bible, uh, pray. Yeah, so it's so great about memorizing scripture. You can do it while you do other things. You don't have to do it in your quiet time. And some days, honestly, you don't have quiet time, especially if your mom with small kids. Listen, sometimes I have school at 7.45 in the morning. By the time I get up and review scripture and do this and this. I haven't spent, I've spent a lot of time in God's word, but I haven't opened my Bible yet. Okay, so you can spend time with God without opening your Bible, but you can't get to know God without the Bible. So, okay, next question. No. I wrote out the whole chapter, and then I wrote it like this. And here's the thing. When you get on this page, you just put it like this, and then you put, put something behind it like your lotion or, you know, the toaster or something. Probably not the toaster, although I have done that too. Uh, and so it'll stand up like this. So now you're looking at this and this. And I brought several of these, uh, so y'all can come up and look at those. This one, you, there's a ton of script. You can usually put, if you have two short books or one long book and one short book, you can put two on one 50-card spiral. This one actually has three passages. as Luke 1 and 2. That's the Christmas story. Acts 6 and 7. That's Stephen's story. And then Ruth. All three of those on one. And then this is Galatians and Luke 24. Okay, so, in, yeah, y'all can feel free to come up and look at these. But you can put a lot of scripture on the 50 cards. I'm doing front and back. But I don't flip it over so that you have to keep moving it. When I'm holding it like this on the second page... It goes straight down like this. So don't turn it over and write like this. Okay? Good. Good question. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I... Okay, now you're asking for personal information. Well, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so for one thing, I had a lot of baggage. I became a Christian the summer between my junior and senior year of college. And I did marry my husband after I met him on staff of Campus Crusade, so he loved the Lord, I loved the Lord, but... Neither one of us grew up in Christian homes, so we both had baggage. Um, I would say probably the number one thing, without saying all the ten things, I really am not as self-absorbed as I used to be. 
I mean, I realize now that life is so much more about me. And it's so freeing because I don't want to just always like, well, how'd you look? And what'd you say? And da, da, da. And, you know, you just, your whole life just becomes you, me, me, me. And you, you live with disappointments and you live with all these things because nothing can ever be what you want it to be. And one of the things I have struggled with in years past is depression. And so when you're meditating on God's Word day and night, it makes your heart so thankful and so... Um, you know, it just it, it takes you out of your element. Uh, right now, I, I'm 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 struggling with chronic pain, and I have uh, arthritis in my SI joints, and so uh, every day I have pain, and it never goes away. Now it's not like at 10, but it's like a low-level pain, and some days it's worse than others. And so I don't know how I would really make it every day if I didn't. It's not that if I didn't memorize scripture, if I didn't love the Lord so much. Because memorizing scripture to me is just a part of uh, loving the Lord for me. And I'm not saying if you don't memorize scripture, you don't love the Lord. For me, it's my passion. It's my, um, it's just what motivates me. I get up in the morning. I really can't wait to start going over. When I moved back to Dallas three years ago to start Dallas Seminary, this was kind of weird, but in my bathroom, there was this huge wallpaper border like this thick. Well, I mean, it had to go. So I pulled it off, and I thought, I'm going to write some scripture up there. And so I'm not super artsy. In fact, I'm not even artsy at all. But I just still wanted to do it. So I painted it white. It's just like up at the top, just the border. And I wrote out just the first two verses of Psalm 62. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. And every morning when I get out of the shower, even I'm working on something else, I see that verse. And, of course, there are moments when you're getting out of the shower and you're facing a day and you don't want to face it. And there's God's Word to be with you and to... I don't know. Just I would say my life is, is totally... My life has totally been transformed, and a lot more needs to go. But that's probably a very long answer to a very short question. But that way I didn't have to reveal too many personal things. Okay. Okay, how are we doing on time? We're good. Okay. Okay, so there are some more questions. Okay. I just finished Psalm 46 which is God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. That's just the first two verses. Anyway, so I just did Psalm 46. I'm starting back school next Monday, so I'm memorizing Hebrew letters right now. So thankfully, when I started seminary, people said, well, are you a good memorizer? I go, mm-hmm. So God has prepared me even... 15 years ago for coming to seminary because now I have to memorize vocabulary words. So, but God's word keeps me going. Okay. Well, okay, she asked about Bible memorizing classes. It's actually not a class. It's more like an accountability group. So what the first one that I ever had, someone said, well, could we all just get together on Wednesday night and, and we'll just memorize scripture through the week and then we'll come together and then we'll kind of share. So we all did the same passage the first time. And then when I had another group later, 
I said, y'all pick a passage. And, if, and then everyone did their own different passages and then came together and then shared those. So it's really more of an accountability. Everything there is to know about Scripture, remember, I just told you in the last 15 minutes. There's not a lot to do. Like, I've had churches call me and say, would you come? We're going to have a whole day on Scripture memory. I said, well, I don't know what I'd say because I can say everything I know about Scripture memory in 15 minutes. So, now, I can come and talk all day on the importance of God's Word. And so that's my, my speaking ministry is mainly on the importance of God's Word. But as far as Scripture memory, you don't need a class. Read the book. It's, one, it's a one-hour, well, maybe two hours at the most read. It's a very quick read. And then get together for accountability. So accountability is so great. I've had partners through the years, mainly sort of like um, people that I've been discipling, and they say, oh, would you hold me accountable? I'm going to memorize whatever. I go, great, I'll memorize it with you. So I do have several people in my life that I kind of help them stay accountable on their Scripture memory. But as far as a class on how to, just tell them what I told you and just keep each other accountable. Because really everyone knows how to memorize, and people do it differently. Like I have, uh, I have a friend, she has the Bible on her phone. So when she goes to walk the dog, she just takes her phone with her, and she's memorizing that way. But see, I'd have to take my glasses. To, I can see my phone. So, but what works for you? Um, when I do treadmill, which I don't do treadmill anymore, but I used to do treadmill every morning, I found it too tedious to be turning the pages every five verses. So I'd go to BibleGateway.com and uh, find whatever I was memorizing, print it out, and put the whole page on the treadmill. Now I didn't have to flip pages. So it's whatever works for you. I have a friend. She takes her Bible. She doesn't like to write it out. She takes her Bible, puts it on the copy machine, pushes print. She's got it, takes it with her when she goes out to walk. So it's really whatever works for you. I mean, this is kind of like back in the dark ages, but... That's where I still am. So it works for me. And if it doesn't work for you, great. Devise your own system that works for you. Because if it's your own system, then you'll be uh, more successful. Okay. Okay, good question. Would you recommend hearing it like on your iPod? I think that works for some people, like maybe if you're an auditory learner. And one time my husband, for a gift, he thought he was loving me. And he bought me the whole Bible, the whole New Testament uh, on tape. And I hated it. And so um, that was just me. I like to say it myself because I'm preaching to myself. And so I like to just say it out loud and over and over. And I kind of just, I just walk around the house saying it out loud myself. And then I can stop and go back where I want to. If it helps you... To learn it, go with it. It, did, it didn't help me. But some people are auditory learners. Some people are visual learners. Some people, uh, I don't know what I am. But I, I like to say it out loud. Just kind of preach to myself as I'm going. And just kind of, uh, so if that helps you, awesome. Okay. Yes. Okay. Are you always memorizing something or do you just sometimes review? I never do two at the same time. No, no, no. Overload. Okay, but, um, plus, okay, I never do two at the same time. I do take breaks, and I do recommend breaks. If you've just finished something, you don't want to start the next day. Take a week or so and just kind of get it really solidified and then start. Sometimes at school I'm just really, really busy, and I'm, I don't have time to memorize something new, but I always have time to review. So I'm always reviewing and sometimes adding new things. Okay. Did I ever memorize anything with my husband? No. But I have written out entire 
chapters for my husband to memorize. My husband doesn't memorize scripture. He does love the Lord, but he doesn't memorize scripture. But I even wrote out some things for him to memorize this summer. But anyway, memorizing scripture is not everybody's thing. So, yeah, I never have memorized with your husband. Now, and I've had friends who said, I don't like my husband to keep me accountable. I'd rather have a friend. So it really just depends on maybe your relationship with your husband. My husband's, you know, if he was keeping me accountable, he'd be asking me every day, where are you? I'm, you know, I, I'm there, you know. So uh, sometimes it works to have your husband be your partner or be accountable. And I have heard of couples who memorize scripture together, but it's not me. So it's whatever works for you. If he's motivated, do it. Okay, one more. I have never gone back to memorize the references. But the thing is, like, if you are sharing with someone, you don't need the reference. Just tell them the truth of God's Word. Just speak God's Word. So um, I don't like to memorize references. And even at seminary, they make you memorize references. And I'm like... They ought to have my system. You don't have to do that. Okay, so, yeah, I don't ever go back and memorize the references. And I guess I haven't really felt a need. If someone says, where is that? I go, great, let me get this Bible here. It's halfway down the page on the left-hand side, and here it is. So I think, to me, it would be such a great distraction. I'm not that organized anyway. And it just frees my whole life to say, I'm just memorizing the words, and you can learn it like you learn a song. You know, in a song, you don't have to go, well, that was verse 2, that was verse 3, that was, you know, you just, you just learn it. So, yeah, I wouldn't get bogged down in the verses unless God tells you to. So, okay, we're wrapping up. Why am I going to seminary? Well, um, I have a speaking ministry, and I, de- I am passionate about God's Word, and I teach on the importance of God's Word, but I want to be a better teacher. So... When my last child went off to college, and my son, my husband said, Honey, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I want to go to seminary. So he said, Well, do you want to move back to Dallas? I'm like, Okay. So, 16 years I lived in Mississippi, and then I got to move back. So, so I just, I want to continue doing the same thing. I just, I, I want to, um, I want to be a better teacher. I want to know the word better. I just, you know, God's word feeds itself. I mean, you just, the more you know, the more you realize, Oh, oh my gosh, I know nothing. And so it just motivates you to go to the next thing, go to the next thing, go to the next thing. So, okay, good. Well, thank you all so much for um, inviting me, and it's been my joy to be with you. And please get your books, and ten people can have a spiral.